As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our reading today on this Pentecost Sunday comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, and chapter 16, verses 4b through 13. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first time Maya Shankar held a violin, she was utterly captivated. The feel of the instrument, the bow, the sound it made, she loved everything about it. She took lessons and got good, really good. So good that when she and her mother happened to pass by the Juilliard School of Music one day, they went inside and talked a violin teacher into hearing Maya play. Maya was accepted into the school's summer program and began taking classes there. Eventually, she became a student of the famous violinist Itzhak Perlman. Maya was well on her way to fulfilling her passionate desire to become a professional violinist. But one day, at the age of 15, Maya stretched her finger to reach a note she'd played many times, and she felt something pop in her right hand. She had overstretched a tendon. Doctors told her it would heal, but she needed to rest her hand. So for an entire year, Perlman taught her lessons focused entirely on bowing. At the end of that year, when she started using her right hand again to play, something still wasn't right. Eventually, doctors told Maya she would never regain the full use of her hand. Maya's dream for a future as a concert violinist was over. She was devastated. 
Theologian Richard Rohr suggests that there are three phases to every life of faith, order, disorder, and reorder. Order comes first. It is what we need, especially when we are spiritually and emotionally immature, to help us make sense of life, who we are, who our people are, what we're here to do. As Rohr puts it, order doesn't really know the full picture, but it thinks it does. Disorder is the excruciatingly uncomfortable process of recognizing that we don't know nearly as much as we thought we did. In a state of disorder, it becomes clear that not only is there a lot we don't know or understand, but most of the time, we don't even know what it is we don't know. When we confront this reality, there is no escaping the discomfort that goes along with it. When we move through a season of disorder, we come to a whole new reality, reorder. Now, this is not a return to the order where we started. It is something different. The place of reorder is a place we can see more clearly all that is. Reorder, as Rohr puts it, is where darkness and light coexist, where paradox is okay. Here, death is a part of life, Failure is a part of victory, and imperfection is included in perfection. Opposites collide and unite. Everything belongs. Today is Pentecost Sunday, when we celebrate God's gift of the Holy Spirit to Jesus' first followers. Often on this day, we hear the account from the book of Acts when the Spirit shows up. You might remember that story, and not just because you've heard it before, but because it is one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. The Spirit comes in a cloud with the sound of a rushing wind. Then it appears as tongues of fire on the heads of the believers who are gathered together. Then the Spirit gives each person the ability to proclaim the gospel in languages they did not previously know. It's a story that at first glance looks like an experience of profound disorder. It was pure chaos. No one knows what was happening or how or why. Until we place this story in the larger context of today's scripture reading. When on the last night of his earthly life, Jesus offers his disciples a glimpse of the future God has in store. The passage we heard today is part of what biblical scholars call the farewell discourse, a long stretch in the Gospel of John describing Jesus last night with his disciples when he takes one last opportunity to teach them what they will need to know after he is gone. It is not the usual Pentecost story, but it is perhaps the Pentecost we need after a season of disorder when so much of what we knew and understood was upended by events beyond our control. A global pandemic that impacted communities disproportionately and widened the divide between the haves and the have-nots. A school year defined by extraordinarily challenging circumstances, with kids and their parents navigating learning at home, online, or in classrooms dictated by distancing and masks. 
another national reckoning on racial injustice, a violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol that has failed to bring together the politicians whose lives and livelihoods it threatened, a relentless barrage of gun violence. We have become all too familiar with the disorder phase of life. The first disciples were also experiencing a profound sense of disorder. They lived in an occupied state and followed a teacher who had challenged civil and religious authorities to the point of putting his own life, and probably theirs too, at serious risk. Divisive factions, deadly disease, violence, and prejudice, all this was part of the disciples' daily existence. And despite Jesus' warnings, they had not grasped that this night would be their last with their beloved teacher. But on this night, Jesus takes time to speak a word of promise and hope into their profound sense of anxiety and fear and grief. Yes, I am leaving you, he says, but I will not leave you alone. John's Gospel is where the Holy Spirit gets a particular Greek name, paraclete, which literally means to draw alongside. The word is most often translated into English as advocate or comforter. This is what Jesus promises his beloved followers, even though he knows they don't, they can't, really understand what he's saying. It is a word of comfort and support. I know you're sad. I know you're confused. I know you feel disoriented and have no idea what the future holds, especially since I won't be with you in that future, he tells them. But you have to trust me. My going away will make it possible for you to receive a new manifestation of God among you, one who will advocate for you, one who will comfort you, one who will reveal the truth to you, one who will empower you to tell and live the truth so that many others can hear and believe in me, one who will be your guide and friend. When we recall the events of the first Pentecost, the Spirit's arrival in a rush of wind and fire and a cacophony of language, it looks like a moment of profound disorder until we remember this is what Jesus promised, that the Spirit would come and advocate and comfort, reveal and empower, guide and equip. When we receive Pentecost as the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, what looks like disorder suddenly reveals itself as reorder. The coming of the Spirit ushers in something entirely new. For what Jesus promises is not only that the Spirit will come and be our guide and friend, but that the Spirit will bring us together with all our differences and declare to us the truth of what is to come. In other words, the Spirit offers us in every generation the promise of a new day, a future God has prepared. 
Today, we stand on the precipice of this future. For 14 months of a global pandemic, we have faithfully found ways to be the church wherever we are, from our living rooms and in Zoom rooms, through packages left on doorsteps and phone calls made to check in on one another. We have let go of many of our assumptions and expectations and usual ways of doing things. And now, with the success of vaccines and declining rates of transmission, we are preparing to enter the next phase. We have seen and experienced enough in this time to know there is no going back to what once was. Any more than the disciples could turn back time after Jesus' crucifixion and go back to the days of following him around Galilee as he taught and healed. We know we aren't going back to what was but we aren't yet quite sure what the future will look like. And I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling some anxiety about that. I imagine the disciples feeling an incredible amount of grief and anxiety as Jesus painted a picture of their future on their last night together. And I empathize with the disciples' sorrow and nervousness about that future. As usual, I'm preaching to myself as much as to you. Because our future, in many ways, is still uncertain. We're doing our best to predict and make plans, but of course we do so knowing that this is still an evolving situation and it will be for some time. So the staff and the leadership of the church invite you to join us in staying open and nimble, flexible, and creative as we move forward. And we invite you to consider the questions with which we are wrestling. As a church, what have we learned in the past year? Who have we welcomed in anew, and how do we integrate them into our fellowship? Who has drifted away, and how might we invite them back? How have we changed? Can we ever regain what we have lost? Will we build on what we have discovered? This Pentecost, we need this story of the first disciples sitting with Jesus on his last night, trying to wrap their heads around the future he invites them to imagine, even though none of it makes any sense. Notice that what Jesus offers these anxious disciples is the promise that while the future might look different than the present, God will be no less present in it. Jesus offers them and us the promise of a new day and the conviction that whatever that new day brings, we do not face it alone, but together. For we have each other and we have the Holy Spirit as our advocate, comforter, guide, Friend, the one who unites us and reveals to us the truth of who we're called to be. After she learned she would never play the violin again, Maya Shanker was understandably depressed. I was really devastated to lose something that I was completely in love with and so passionate about and that had really constituted such a large part of my life and my identity. You know, I was first and foremost a violinist. And so I I was anxious because 
I was worried that I would never find something that I felt as passionately about as I did with music. But one day during this time, she discovered a book about the human brain. She was fascinated by it and eventually ended up pursuing a career in cognitive science, a career so successful that she led a team at the White House, which applied the lessons of cognitive science to improving the effectiveness of government programs. Looking back, Maya now sees that her time playing the violin laid the groundwork for her future career. Although she didn't end up being a musician, she discovered a different future she could not have imagined, one where she could apply the discipline, intelligence, and passion that had served her so well. The future God longs for us to inhabit is profoundly different and infinitely bigger than the future we can imagine for ourselves. Jesus confuses and confounds, disrupts and disturbs his disciples and us because without going through seasons of disorder, like the long season we have endured, we do not learn, we do not change, we do not grow. Now, on the brink of reorder, And on this day, when we celebrate the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit, may we remember Jesus' promise, the Holy Spirit, present right here and right now, is nothing less than God with us, our advocate, comforter, guide, friend, uniter, and truth-teller. With this Spirit in our midst, we can step forward into a new day, carrying with us all we have learned, setting aside what no longer serves us, coming together to proclaim and enact God's love and justice, knowing we are equipped and empowered for whatever lies ahead. Amen.